for us. So let's open our Bibles and talk about Jesus together. Hear the word of the Lord from Numbers 9. I'll read verses 1 through 14, and we'll pray, um, and then we'll get into it. Is it. Are you having trouble finding the event? No? You're all good. Okay. <laughs> Just wondered. Okay, everybody's good. And the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month of the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Let the people of Israel keep the Passover at its appointed time. On the 14th day of this month, at twilight, you shall keep it at its appointed time according to all its statutes and all its rules, you shall keep it. So Moses told the people of Israel that they should keep the Passover, and they kept the Passover in the first month on the 14th day of the month at twilight in the wilderness of Sinai, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses so the people of Israel did. And there were certain men who were unclean through touching a dead body, so they could not keep the Passover on that day. And they came before Moses and Aaron on that day. And those men said to him, We are unclean through touching the dead body. Why are we kept from bringing the Lord's offering at its appointed time among the people of Israel? And Moses said to them, Wait, that I may hear what the Lord will command concerning you. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If any one of you or of your descendants is unclean through the touching of a dead body or is on a long journey, he shall keep the Passover to the Lord. In the second month of the four, on the fourteenth day at twilight, they shall keep it. They shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it until the morning, nor break any of its bones, according to all the statute for the Passover, they shall keep it. But... If anyone who is clean and is not on a journey fails to keep the Passover, that person shall be cut off from his people because he did not bring the Lord's offering at its appointed time. That man shall bear his sin. And if a stranger sojourns among you and would keep the Passover to the Lord according to the statute of the Passover and according to its rule, so shall he do. You have all one statute, both for the sojourner and for the native. Good and holy God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this um, communication between you and your people to help them to mark their rescue, to remember their rescue, the exodus out of slavery in Egypt. Lord, as we look at the, just the reality of Passover as a regular thing, help us to think of our own rescue and how we might market more in our lives to have uh, the motivation, the rest, the, the confidence and comfort in the midst of our own wilderness journeys. That we'd see your finished work, Jesus, and live from that truth. Holy Spirit, help me to declare what is true and right and help us to hear what you would have for us this morning, that Jesus would be glorified. It's in his name we pray. Amen and amen. So remembering your rescue keeps you going in the wilderness. Some of you are aware that we have had quite the experience with our van um, since we've bought it, really. Uh, I have many opinions. If you're looking for a new vehicle, I can tell you one manufacturer not to shop. Um, but we have taken it on occasion to the shop to fix something that 
honestly is relatively minor that can become pretty quickly a major issue as it did before. And it becomes major because the dealership delays fixing the problem for really a long time. And so the issue popped up again. Um, we pulled into the Dietrich's driveway, you know, and that's like Mount Everest, the, the pitch of their driveway. And so it started doing the same thing it was doing again. We scheduled an appointment, you know, like two weeks out, and then we, we brought it in. And their process, as easy as it would be to fix the problem again, their process does not match my desire for them to work in the way I think is best. And so part of my task when we took the van and dropped it off felt like all I was there to do was to remind them why the van was there over and over again. I was not just leaving my van for weeks on end without a reason or a goal. Like I just didn't want it to sit on their lot. And there was actually, there's purpose in us bringing it in. And I wish I could say that they remembered and made the repair, but we got fed up and we just kept the van. And so will you pray with us that the issue goes away and I don't have to deal with the nameless dealership here in Escondido. But it's like, have you ever had to spend more time explaining a problem or an issue than it actually takes to resolve the issue? And that was what was happening. And it's funny because I think as I've studied this text and just tried to put myself in the perspective of Israel in the wilderness, I think they had much of the same situation, or at least God communicating to them, Moses leading them. It feels like they need consistent reminder. And the tribes of Israel, this huge community of people traveling in the wilderness together, and they get to places where they are prone to ask Why are we here? When that happens in this story and it's tracked along in the book of Numbers, there's always this call for them to remember where they were brought out of as a motivation for what was ahead. So because you have been redeemed, you've been experienced this exodus out of slavery in Egypt, you can face what is to come. This is your reason for being there. The redemption that God has worked for you. And just like Israel, our own stories are not far off from this experience, right? Because life isn't easy. For, for most of us, right? I mean, do you agree that there are portions of life that can be significantly difficult and feel like we are in the midst of a wilderness? There's uncertainty. We might ask ourselves, is this where we're supposed to be? When we find questions like that, when we experience real wilderness moments in our lives, we have to wonder, is there something that could settle us, that could Prove the promise to us and keep us going. And in our text, we have the institution of the Passover. And I think the story in the wilderness gives us clarity on our own calls to remember our rescue. We have to start first with Israel's rescue. And so we have two images today. This one is open for guessing what it is, actually. Like, did somebody say a window? No, it is a door. But this is going to be 
all cooler. Putting blood on the doorposts. So this is the reminder that Israel will have. And long before this encounter in the wilderness, there was another man who had come, who stood under the night sky full of stars and wondered what God had in store for him. And Abraham receives a promise from God that his offspring would number like the stars and they would be a blessing to every nation. But from that night sky promise, the people of the promise have experienced major disruptions in their story. And eventually they found themselves as slaves in what was originally a place of refuge for them. Israel had grown so large that pharaohs of Egypt enslaved them to build their cities for them. But God heard their cries and called Moses and promised to rescue his people. This is the story of Israel. And God uses these plagues that are visited upon Egypt. And among those plagues is the death of the firstborn. And all of Israel is told by God that each family must take a spotless lamb and kill it and wipe its blood on the doorposts of the house so that the angel of death would pass over their home. The homes of Egyptians, however, not covered by the blood of the lamb, would experience death. And they did. Even Pharaoh's own house, the firstborn, would die. And this Uh, Plague itself breaks the dam of oppression by God's intervention in bringing his people out. And Israel leaves Egypt from that moment, crossing over the waters of freedom and then into the wilderness on their way to what is promised. And in that moment, they're no longer slaves and they live relying on Yahweh for provision, for guidance in the promise of a, a land, a place that they would call their own. And along the way, worship is established to keep them going, sacrificing the tabernacle that marks God's holiness and Israel being set apart for him. Like all these things are set up to keep them in the mindset of who they are as God's people and what he's brought them out of. And then last week we saw that the lampstand shines a light as a reminder of God's presence with Israel. And then we get to the Passover, this meal that is established to remind them of their rescue. And it becomes the vital festival for Israel. Still today, for faithful Jews, taking the, the cedar dinner, the Passover meal, is central to their experience of faith. And here the Lord institutes the Passover to mark Israel's redemption, to Give them that constant reminder that is to be central to their experience with God, that they have been brought out of slavery, that they used to be under bondage and they no longer are. And it's so much so that if you didn't keep the Passover, you were out. We saw that in our text and it happens on this first month of the second year since coming out of Egypt. And the text says, let the people of Israel keep the Passover at its appointed time. On the 14th day of this month at twilight, you shall keep it at its appointed time. According to all its statutes and all its rules, you shall keep it. And the wilderness journey would add to the meal meat. We hear here in the second portion of our text, the bitter herbs that have to be there and questions from the children that they would ask the parents, why do we eat this meal? And the whole camp, all of God's people, are to take the time to remember. 
every year, steadily keep their rescue before them, to be reminded that they have been free. Keeping the Passover before setting out from Sinai essentially serves to situate afresh the wilderness march within this gracious context of the Exodus deliverance in Egypt, which this meal commemorates for them. So we can march because we know we've been brought out. There's a purpose to why we're here. We're on our way, but we've already experienced such provision. But more than just a call to reminder, this account actually shows us the grace of God in remembering. It tells us there were certain men who were unclean through touching of a dead body so they could not keep the Passover on that day. And they came before Moses and Aaron And those men said to them, we are unclean through touching a dead body. Why are we kept from bringing the Lord's offering at its appointed time among the people of Israel? So where ritual cleanliness is essential in worship, but then worship is also mandatory to be in the camp. How are you supposed to partake when you are unclean? Not by anything that you've done yourself, but just because you are around some dead body, essentially. And Moses, like a good leader, tells them to wait until I hear from the Lord. I'm going to start using that when you call me and ask advice. Be like, Let's just wait until I hear from the Lord. But he allows, God does, allows those that are unclean or traveling, essentially away from the camp, away from home, to celebrate the Passover a month later. So it's like a, a grace period, this extra month they have. And it's still vital that they remember their rescue, but he's gracious enough to allow them extra time to be clean so that they can celebrate it. Have you ever had a Thanksgiving a dinner or a Christmas meal that you postponed by a day or two, or maybe even a week so all the family could be together? It's essentially what God is doing in a gracious moment here, allowing everyone to be together, to have this experience and still mark the occasion of their redemption. One writer says, God's not just the God of rules and regulations, but the God who extends grace and mercy into the messy world of reality. That there's grace for those experiencing the difficulty of the wilderness in this moment, that they can still remember what they've been brought out of. It's graciously applied so even the unclean could mark their rescue. And so many pictures, like people just always think, well, the Old Testament is God, the God of wrath, and the New Testament is the God of grace. And there are significant stories along the way that have formed those views of people. But here is an example where God is gracious to his people. Not only did he rescue them and save them, but even in the commemoration of that redemption, there is grace applied for them so they can experience it and remember. And the meal is also then extended to sojourners traveling with Israel, knowing Yahweh is the one true God. These that would not be Jews by birth, but have decided to be around. And this is the rumblings of the blessing that is promised to Abraham that his nation would bless all the people of the earth. There's one statue, both for the sojourner and the native, all remembering their rescue, pointing forward to our rescue. And God's gracious inclusion of aliens and strangers into his people covers most of us in reality, because hardly any of us 
are by birth children of Abraham, yet God in his mercy and grace has reached out more widely than simply to Israel with the gospel. And he's brought those who were once far off from him into his kingdom as sons and daughters. This remembering is essential. Passover had to be kept. They need the basis of their journey to keep going. It's a foundational reality that they are called to live from over and over again. And Passover is essentially the proof of the promise. This is them being reminded that God can be trusted because he already has redeemed them. He's already brought them out of slavery. So he will bring them all the way home to the promised land. But there's significant danger in forgetting and worse yet in rejecting this redemption. See it in verse 13. But if anyone who is clean and not on a journey fails to keep the Passover, that person shall be cut off from his people because he did not bring the Lord's offering as it, at its appointed time. That man shall bear his sin. So one writer says, failure to celebrate the Passover when one is able to do so is serious sin, meriting being cut off and cut off probably means dying suddenly and mysteriously as a divine punishment, though some interpreters think it sometimes may refer to excommunication for Israel or judicial execution. So either they're dropping dead because they've refused to keep the Passover or they are being like judicially removed of their identity. They're no longer part of the family because they've refused to commemorate their rescue and refusing to eat the Passover was equal to denying what it celebrated. I think I I told this story before that Stacy and I had the opportunity once to be invited to a Seder dinner from uh, hosted by some of our secular Jewish friends and their father was the one that ran the storytelling of the meal but he was very keen to make sure that I understood it was all made up. And I'm in seminary at the time, and he's telling that, recounting the story, reading the liturgy that he's supposed to read. And I'm like, yes, this is so good. It points to Jesus. It's so great. He's like, oh, yeah, this is just a drinking game for the rabbis. They got drunk and made up the best story they could come up with. Do you remember that meal? It's like, oh, my goodness. I feel I was a a nice guest. But that's denying the rescue. It's like, why do you even waste the time of doing it? But denying the rescue is vitally dangerous. And you'll be cut off. And Israel will, in fact, struggle. And I get it from my friends. They've struggled because the world, wherever you find yourself, will try to convince you either that you are already home, right? That this is all there is. So experience everything you can that you want to in this moment. Or it's going to tell you that there's something better out there for you than God's plan. And Israel will face this. They'll fall into that trap. Some will long for slavery again. And we're going to see that in just two chapters of our study of the book of Numbers. But remembering the rescue and their grace of God to free them from slavery is what was meant to keep them going on their journey. 
why it's always brought up, why it's always reminded, why they have the imagery, the smells, the scents, and this meal to mark their exodus and remembering our rescue works in much the same way. So we have to think about our rescue. And instead of a doorpost, we have what is it? Anybody? This is this is Pictionary. This really is Pictionary. Bread or a paw print? Bread or a paw print? Well, if Janice is looking at it, it's a paw print for the pooches. But it is meant to be bread, right? All you guys have made sourdough over COVID? That doesn't look like a sourdough look? No? Doesn't look like Janice bread? Okay. Wine, yes. Okay, okay. Let's, let's talk about needed disciples. Yeah, I'm glad you actually recognize that one. So blessing has come to all nations and people. That's why we celebrate what we do. And redemption not from Egypt, from the bondage of slavery. And we see it boldly in the New Testament. And we look at just Ephesians 2, 1 through 8. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it is the gift of God this is Our own story of the waters being parted, of being brought out, that while we were dead in sin, God came and gave of himself, once slaves to sin, brought out by the grace of God. And it's the glorious news of Jesus who took our place and gave us his. One writer, Justin Dillahay, says, Just as even Israel stood exposed to God's wrath, in that tenth plague for their idolatry, so we all stand exposed to God's righteous wrath for our idolatry. All of us have sinned and fallen short of his glory, and apart from some provision, every last one of us was going to perish eternally under God's wrath in the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels, because God is holy and Just, But in his infinite love, God devised a way to be just and merciful at the same time. And this is salvation through substitution. And the Passover was meant to paint a picture of that, but it wasn't the real thing. But when we get to the Gospels, the true substitute is here. And in the words of John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So this is Jesus having lived a life of perfect obedience to the Father, to the law, gives himself as the sacrifice, as the way of redemption. And he makes it abundantly clear that he is the only way to the Father. That there is no other blood, no other thought, no other scheme to restore you to relationship with your creator, to give you righteousness that is needed for eternity, for identity now, and for thriving now. It's only by Jesus. 
And Paul calls Jesus our Passover lamb for Jesus is the reality to which the Passover lamb pointed to year after year. The Passover lamb testified to the salvation that came by grace through simple faith to sinners. It pointed them to God's commitment to save a people for himself by the perfection of a substitute, someone who would fulfill all of God's rules and regulations in their place, enabling God to extend his grace and mercy to them. And it spoke of a cosmic second chance for unclean humanity that even though our first parent, Adam, we all sinned and therefore deserve God's rejection, his wrath in Christ, we receive his mercy and his blessing. And we all we have to do is receive forgiveness, is place our faith in Jesus. Then we get that rescue. We experience that. And it's the proof of the promise of what is to come. That we will spend eternity with him. We will be transformed into his likeness. And so it helps us to lay down all the weights of sin and distraction that attempt to keep us from Jesus. When the wilderness journey gets difficult, we can see the provision we've already been provided and keep going trusting him. Paul in 1 Corinthians 5 will say, cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. This is Paul. This is why Paul would say that he knew nothing among the churches but Christ and him Crucified. It's essentially saying, like, I know nothing among you but Jesus and his Passover for us. That redeeming work is meant to motivate, to comfort, to challenge us, to get us to give our lives for his glory. And yes, friends, it is unleashing vast implications for all of life. But we don't cut out the reminder in the pursuit of those things that it calls us to do. We have to be settled in remembering our rescue. I once had a friend um, visit Reservoir that is in a, in a quasi-ministry experience. I'll never forget our interaction after the service. And this is maybe the first Sunday that we moved into this space. So it's been a long time. Now. Is that five years ago? Man, we're getting old. But, and he was trying... You know, when your friend preaches, but you don't necessarily agree with everything you preach, you, you try to find something nice to say. And I remember the conversation with him, and it always comes to mind for me. And maybe I've shared this before, too. I don't know. But in reference to the sermon, he said, oh, that old gospel. So good to hear it every once in a while. <laughs> well, and I felt I comforted because it's like, well, thank God he heard the gospel in my preaching. Right. But whoa. Because friends, we have nothing if we don't have this redemption. We have nothing if we don't declare Christ and him crucified. That good old gospel of redemption and rescue that we need. And we need the reminder all the more in the wilderness. When things get hard, when the horizon seems just too far off, we can face temptation and, and set it aside and say, no, I'm not going to assume or uh, get to a place where I forget my rescue. I am going to stick with Jesus because he's brought me through. He's saved me. And there's so much in our culture at this moment. And I, I feel like you, 
I'm not on TikTok, but maybe some of you are. I don't know, but I feel like the message you hear in our day is, I am my own savior, right? Or the intelligentsia, oh, well, sin's just a social construct. You don't have to worry about this. This world is all there is. Experience it. Just as Israel is tempted to believe those things in the wilderness, we can be tempted to believe them in our own wilderness. The kind of holiness that God desires cannot be produced apart from the gospel when the sinful patterns of this world surround us and tempt us to compromise. The proper response is to return to the unchanging grace of God who made his saving mercies known in the Passover and ultimately in Christ acting as our Passover lamb. And so Christ was sacrificed in the past. Let us therefore celebrate the festival honoring Christ just as the Passover honored God in our present lives of sincere devotion and truth. We run after him because we have been rescued. And we've been given a meal to remember as well. And isn't, isn't that awesome? I mean, I want to say awesome, but I don't feel like I'm hip and relevant if I use the word awesome. Isn't this awesome? It's cool. I'm, I'm 45, so I don't have any hope of being cool. But Jesus, like get this. Jesus in his kindness. Did anybody see? So yesterday we ran this 5K and they had face painting that was meant for the children, right? But I'm a kid at heart and so there's an offer to paint a big old ginormous spider on my head and I took it because I'm trying to be a good dad and dads are whimsical, right? And we have fun. And so was it fun? Yeah, sure. So some of you saw it. I don't know. Pam was there painting other faces, but I had this ginormous spider and it, I don't know what it was a reminder of, but Jesus could have said, you need to paint a ginormous thing on your head as a reminder. But he, but he didn't do that, right? He didn't say you have to wear this about you, but what does Jesus do? He says, why don't you have a meal? Why don't you eat with friends? And mark my rescue. And in his kindness, he just invites us to a meal to remember what he's done for us. Like, that, that, is, that is amazing. The savior of the world would say, why don't you just sit down with some bread and Janice, some wine with your friends, and mark how I brought you out of slavery. And refusing to eat the Passover was equal to denying what it celebrated, the Lord's salvation and deliverance. And Jesus institutes communion as this new covenant meal that's celebrating his salvation for us. You see it in Mark 14. As they were eating, he took bread and after blessing it, he broke it and he gave it to them. And he said, take, this is my body. And he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it. It knew in the kingdom of God. This is the picture of your savior's graciousness to you. He's like, here, you have this meal and I'm not going to have a portion of this meal again until we get to celebrate it together. Our salvation comes through his substitution. And that's why God can say to us, when I see his blood, I will pass over you. 
Paul tells us, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You remember your rescue, proclaiming redemption all the way home. And this is why we do it every time we gather, to remember. This week, Reservoir Church provided to another local church like 125 communion cups. Because this dear brother of a church that will remain nameless for a Pentecostal handshake later, I can tell you the name if you want to know. But he sent out an urgent message to the local pastors and he said, guys, communion Sunday came up too quick. I didn't, I didn't think of it and I didn't have time. The communion elements won't be here in time. Can anybody help? And I'm like, we just got a box of 500 pieces of styrofoam bread we can, we can share with you and Stacy was here and she'll tell you that I said to him you know you should think about doing communion every week you know because it, it marks it's like it's not just something that is meant to be wrote for us and oh we're a traditional church we did communion and sing the doxology no we do those things to remember our rescue Because when the kids that we're raising are going to grow up, they may not remember anything that I've preached from this, you know, wine barrel table. But they're going to remember that week upon week, we took bread and we took the cup and they symbolize Jesus giving himself for them, shedding his blood to establish a covenant of grace. And then they might be awakened to the reality of their rescue and live different. so we're going to keep eating. It's a redemption that's open to all who believe. And God is still gracious. And friends, you have to know it is not too late. If you have forgotten your rescue, you can remember it today. If you've yet to believe that rescue was for you, you can believe it today that Jesus giving of himself was for you. And from this, Spurgeon says, I gather learning a lesson from the type that whatever may be the experiences through which we come to salvation, Christ is always the same and we must partake of him in the same way. We who have been so defiled that we have, as it were, to eat the second Passover, even at the 11th hour, long after others have been feeding on Christ, still there is the same Christ for all as there is for those who have come at the right time. I'm going to need more feedback from you guys. (laughs) Some of y'all, you were born righteous, right? You didn't know it, you know. We were all saved, by the way. If anybody asks you, when were you saved? It's okay to say 2,000 years ago when Jesus was on the cross. Because that's the truth, right? And I annoy some people when I say that. You know, and there's some successive moments when I've realized my rescue up to that point. But some of us, like, we just knew that all our lives, right? We ate the first month. We ate that Passover early. But then some of us, Bill, this is where you get to amen with me. It took longer for us to realize that there was redemption available in Christ. Amen. (laughs) 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 On my block in the new earth, it is going to be so loud. We're just going to be dancing and partying. And it's okay in here. When you recognize your rescue, to say something about it. If you want, you can throw your Bible at me. And I'll take that as like an amen. That's fine. Yes. (laughs) 
So as we look at it, we hear the story of the Passover, friends, just commit to remembering. To own this rescue for yourself. It is what we need to make it through. To hear that he has already run the race for us, that we can press on looking to him with great joy. And our model for ministry at Reservoir Church, we take from Peter in 2 Peter 1. He says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right as long as I am in the body to stir you up by way of reminder. So everything we should do should just be reminding each other of our rescue. Always start here. Remember your rescue and then see what Jesus will do. Remembering your rescue keeps you going in the wilderness. So friends, first be rescued. Surrender, repent of your disregard or rejection of Jesus and believe in him that he graciously gave himself for you to make you right before your creator, that he has put a claim over your life for his glory and for your good. And for the rest of us, just be reminded, journey onward. You are claimed by Jesus. You can rejoice that he has rescued you so that you could tell others of his redeeming grace. And the wilderness is wide and the journey seems long. Remember your rescue. Keep going. Keep trusting. Keep longing for more of your rescuer. And I promise we're going to do it together. Meal upon meal upon meal. Sermon upon sermon upon sermon. Bible study upon Bible study upon Bible study. Small group upon small group. Whatever. Everything we do that we would remember our rescue and live forever changed because of what Jesus has done. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word and for the establishment of this Passover meal that was to mark the redemption of your people. Lord, we thank you. You've given us a meal of our own to remember our rescue that would mark your sacrifice and your grace toward us. Lord, help us to be by your spirit people that are Uh, passionate about the truth of the gospel. That it would be the fuel for the lives that you have called us to live. Wherever our wilderness might be, that we would mark the rescue you have given to us and live from that truth with sincere devotion. In Jesus' name, amen.